Thanks so much for joining us. If you love this conversation as much as I did and would like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. To stay up to date with The Unstoppable Singer and get all the behind the scenes content, you can follow me on Instagram at Unstoppable Singer. And while you're there, please share this episode on your Instagram stories and tag me at Unstoppable Singer. Once again, I'm Danielle Tucker, a professional singer and vocal coach. I've spent the last 25 years crafting a successful career for myself in the music industry and showing other aspiring singers how to do the same. The world needs your voice now more than ever. So get out there and create an unstoppable career. It is Jessica Baldwin. Jessica is a popular music voice specialist, a creativity coach, and an indie singer-songwriter. After completing her master's in classical vocal pedagogy and performance, she devoured whatever she could find out, I'm sorry, whatever she could find about non-classical vocal pedagogy, built her business as a vocal coach for singer-songwriters, and was eventually appointed to the faculty of the Contemporary Commercial Music Institute in 2016. Um, While she still loves helping singers create the sounds they want, her true passion is helping singers get clear about their artist identity so they can better connect with their fan base and to help them bust through any creativity blocks that they might have. And Jessica is soon to release her latest original album. So let me bring her on without further ado. Hello. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. I'm doing great. It's so good to see you. You too. Thank you for having me. You know what? I think I should start up front explaining how the two of us know each other. Yeah. Uh, You and I originally met through a, um, a co a co-op group online, uh, called the speakeasy cooperative, which is, um, it's basically, uh, a group of, um, vocal training professionals, uh, who are in, in a lot of ways, very like-minded. We kind of share information. We share marketing info. We encourage each other. It's just a really incredible group, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then you and I moved into, um, the VIP program of that, which is, uh, kind of a, that's kind of a mastermind, I guess. Would you call it that? I think so. I think that's fair. Yeah. It's a lot of what we do together. Yeah. 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 So I'm in my second year. Yeah. I'm in my second year of getting to know you and you're absolutely incredible. So I'm really, really honored that you'd come on and talk to me tonight. Thank you, Danielle. I feel the same way about you very much. So. (laughs) Well, I've been starting out these conversations lately with, uh, kind of give us a year end review of how 2021 was for you, how 2022 is starting off and, and the direction you're looking to go this year. Yeah. 2021, I began with 
the main goal as far as me as an artist um, of recording my first album and making that happen. So I knew that I had to do some crowdfunding to make that happen. And that's what a lot of 2021 was, was planning that and implementing it. And um, it was successful. So the album is is done. So now it's going to be in 2022, a lot of, um, you know, prepping and marketing and release all the good release stuff that has to happen to, to put it out there. But um, I knew when I started that year that I was not going to be able to do the Kickstarter stuff alone. I had mm -hmm. tried a few times and it was just, there were pieces of it that I could do that were no big deal. And then other pieces that just felt a little overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So I actually hired a Kickstarter coach and it was Ooh. one of the best investments I've ever made. It wow. was so helpful. Um, their name is Laser Milena Weber and they have, they actually have a great book through Berkeley Press about crowdfunding and a fantastic podcast called uh, Fan Funded. And okay. then they do consulting as well for people who are doing Kickstarters. They run with their sibling um, at least one huge Kickstarter a year that does incredibly well. It's, it's a huge part of how they tour. And uh, they just bring all this knowledge to the table about, about how to make it work because they've done so many. They kind of, they get it's, it's a, it's a pattern, you know, there's the mm -hmm. stuff that consistently works and that's what they teach. So it was wow. a, a great investment and still a ton of work. Like, even though I had that help and guidance, I, that was one of the hardest things I've ever done was to put together that Kickstarter campaigns, to plan it, mm -hmm. to do all of the things leading up to the actual campaign itself. Um, in addition to running it and a tour, a uh, little, a small tour kind of went along with that as part of it and making that happen. So once I got to the actual album making part, it felt like smooth sailing. Yeah. <laughs> it was a fun know, part. Then, yeah, exactly. You know, I, I produced the album and so I got to take the songs and put, uh, do production, which was so fun. I love that part um, of the process and then get into the studio and make it happen. And so that was, that was a big part of what made 2021 really great for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was incredibly hard, but it, I knew I was like, I just have to, this has to happen. I have to make this happen this year. Um, and so it was very rewarding. The challenges were, were very worth it. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to, to get it out to the world. Cause I really love, I love what we've got. I'm pretty yeah. excited and everybody who made it happen did such great work. And uh, it's really, really exciting. Um, and then my teaching stuff, um, which we, you've heard me talk about more in the, in the VIP group. But um, I, uh, 2021 started in a different place. Uh, well, it ended in a different place than I expected in terms of what I decided to do with my teaching coaching business. And 2021 was a kind of a process of discovering that the creativity coaching aspect of what I do, which number one, I hadn't realized was its own, like needed its own label and was mm -hmm. a thing that I had been doing and just didn't know that that was the label for it. Um, that I really wanted to embrace that and lean into it a lot 
it is the, it is part of what I do that brings me just incredible joy that, you know, sometimes means I do singing with people, but often does not often it's, it's a lot of coaching conversation around what it is that's getting in people's way in terms of how they want to be in the world and how they are able or not able to show up in the ways that they want to. So like my business name changed even, you know, as the year went on, because I was like, oh, that's not really the right, you know, voice studio isn't the right title for what I do. Artist Mm -hmm. coaching is a, is a more um, appropriate word for, for what's happening. So the business name changed. I changed the focus of what I was putting out in terms of social media and blogs and stuff like that. And so my clientele started to shift somewhat in terms of what they were looking for. And once I named it for the people I was working with, they were like, oh yeah, that is definitely what you do. And it is so helpful to me. And I'm so glad that now we know how to, now I know how to talk about that to other people when I'm recommending what you do to others. So that yeah. was a big shift that I wasn't really expecting, but I'm, I'm very grateful for and, and happened in large part to people like you and the rest of the folks in the VIP group. And of course, our wonderful coach, um, lead coach, Michelle Marquardt DeVoe. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was a big, really cool thing that happened. And as far as I know, 2022 is just leaning further into that and kind of um, reaping the, reaping the, the, the fruits of what happened in 2021 around those, mm-hmm. those shifts in my business. Yeah. Are pretty exciting. Yeah. That's so great. It's, it's been amazing to kind of have a, a ringside view of, of everything that you've been doing. And I love so much what you've done this year with your um, coaching practice, because you're literally walking the walk of what you're teaching right now. And you're, you're in that process yourself. And I just, I don't know how, what a better, you know, gift you can give to the people that you're working with to be on the same level of understanding what they're going through and, you know, being able to relate with them. It's, it's incredible. So I know the uh, voice instructor side of you more just because of the group that we've been in and less of Jessica, the artist. So uh, let's dive in. We have so much to talk about, but let's dive into that part first. Um, Let's talk about, tell me about the album, what it's like, uh, what the writing process was like. And, um, and I'm really curious to know this, your first album and why now? Well, I, uh, I, it's funny. I mean, my artist journey was something where, you know, when I got out of grad school, I was like, um, I'm not writing a song ever. That is terrifying. I had just gotten out of two degrees where we were studying all of these, these people who had written music throughout the course of history. And it was incredibly intimidating. And in general, culturally, people who go through classical music degrees as performers There are no classes about writing music. You're just analyzing everyone else's music. So there's not even a a, a headspace of of that being a part of what you might do. You Mm -hmm. know, um, it's mostly you're just trying to have the most functional and expressive instrument that you can for for focusing on another composer, you know, another writer. So that's just what I'd done for so long. And I got out of that and um, I read The Artist's Way. Uh, there was a coach I was working with right out of grad school who recommended it to me. And I read it and I was like, no, no, I don't, no way. 
and at the same time, there was something in me that was like, you are going to write songs. Like that's what has to happen. That is the big creative thing that you're, <laughs> that you need to do at some point in your life. And I was so resistant. I was so scared mm -hmm. for a long time. And it took a lot of like baby steps in that direction. What to me felt like baby steps in a direction, you know, could I have mm -hmm. just written a song? Sure. But it, but you know, my own journey of like the blocks that were happening, which had more to do with like fear of writing a bad song, fear right. of, you know, being a terrible songwriter, you know, just all that stuff. Um, I could have written a song, of course, at that time, but just believing that it was worth doing uh, was hard. So mm -hmm. I did a lot of um, covers. I explored jazz, uh, like stand singing standards for a while. I did that as a singer. Um, and, and then I just started like creeping into, oh, and I also sang in a funk band. Um, we did a lot mm -hmm. of fusion and we did a lot of like soul and funk um, mm -hmm. in that particular band. So like jazz, soul, funk, that sort of stuff. Yeah. And I had grown up singing like, um, gospel and R&B and soul. And, you know, that's what I did when I was not doing my school stuff <laughs> mm -hmm. so yeah. in my life. So all that started to mix together and I was starting to, to arrange my own covers, but really have it a new take on them. So it was sort mm -hmm. of my first okay. step into finding an artistic voice of some sort was yeah. my arrangements and really taking in, in very different directions. Um, one of my first ones was a, a version of Rainbow, Somewhere Over the Rainbow, mm -hmm. um, that I put into five, because that's my favorite meter. I'm a rhythm nerd. Wow. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, just kind of grew from there. And then eventually um, I want, I okay, well, here's the honest truth. I was asked to be on a PBS show about songwriters. Uh-huh. Featured songwriters. And, and like, I had not yet written a song, <laughs> but I was not going to turn down that opportunity. <laughs> so I was offered the opportunity and then I was like, all right, time to go write some songs. Absolutely. <laughs> so that's what I did. So I don't recommend this to anyone, but my first um uh, sharing of my songs ever was on national television. Oh my God. <laughs> and, uh, and, but the, like the experience was, was great. Like I was really proud of my stuff and, um, mm -hmm. the process was, uh, great. I, and I learned about myself. I'm like, Oh, I need a project. I need a deadline. I seem to need like involvement with others and collaboration with others as part of my creative process. And that's what that did. Yeah. Um, so some of those songs are on the album. I wrote more since then. And um, that's how I got started. And that's how the mm -hmm. album <laughs> came to be. It was like, I, I got to okay, so get in the studio make this happen. <laughs> I love that so much. I mean, it's it's always got to be something that pushes you in the direction. And that's incredible. And I was, I was just actually looking at your list of Clifton strengths, because I know that you and I share a lot of um, similar ones. And 
to me, I, I, I feel like, so achievers, you're number one. So you're not going to pass up an opportunity to, you know, achieve like pulling something like that off. And then, and then probably that learner inside of you too. You're like, well, this is my opportunity to um, learn everything there is to know about a very important topic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And I, you know, so I'm thankful that that have because, you know, on the other strengths I have are very much about like sitting and thinking a lot about what could go wrong. Like I'm a great right. person to have when you want to make sure you're really aware of all the possible pitfalls and whatever. But the dark side of that is that I can like talk myself out of something because I see the possible pitfalls. Right. So sometimes it takes someone else being like, and here's the thing, do it. And I'm like, okay, regardless mm -hmm. of whatever pitfalls might happen, I'm going to take the steps and <laughs> make that happen. So how would you say, um, how did, was the experience of songwriting for you then after that, did you find that it was something that was uncomfortable for you out of the gate and that you eventually found a flow for, or how's, how is that process like for you? I think I had to embrace what my process was because I didn't know until I had done it, like what it looked like for me. So, mm -hmm. um, there's actually a book by Austin Kleon. I think it's Show Your Work. I think it's his second one, not his first one, um, which is Steal Like an Artist. They're both great. But I think mm -hmm. Show Your Work, he talks about how he has to have two stations. He has a digital station and an analog station where he works and does things. And that's sort of what was happening for me. Like I, um, my analog station is my acoustic piano, basically. Mm -hmm. And um, sitting in uh, creating melodies or chord progressions that sound good to me that I enjoy um, and then putting them kind of away, like storing them as their own thing and then putting them in like a, a database, like, mm -hmm. okay, I might use this at some point. Sometimes I will create at my computer and go and dive a little deeper into some of those and add some production elements that I'm, that I'm hearing along with the chord progression or the melody or whatever. And then I also have like my word writing kind of station area that, that's just its own thing usually starts with stream of consciousness writing around a cue that maybe is external or maybe has something to do with the life experience I'm having, but just stream of consciousness writing. And that I try to, uh, sometimes I just stream of consciousness, that's it. And sometimes I'm very specifically trying to make it sensory based. Um, Pat Patterson, there are a lot of songwriters who talk about that. Sensory words are really important. They give people something to ground to in terms mm -hmm. of your experience. And so sensory word focused writing and then stuff will sort of start to emerge. I'm like, Ooh, that word, that word, that phrase. I like that. Let me put that in. Now let me get my thesaurus and find some stronger words that are related to this. Now let me get my rhyming dictionary and find some words that could rhyme with that, that feel like they go. And then I start to get a sense of which of those like musical things that I created feel like they fit with the word things that I created. And yeah. then those puzzle pieces come together. And then it's just sort of a continual puzzle. So, I mean, that's really how my process feels like is like a puzzle that's yeah. sort of this analog spaces where I'm doing things and then some digital spaces where I do things. And then it's just sort of like starts to come together over time. It is in no way that, like these people who sit down and there's just sort of this flow of stuff that comes through them. That is not how I work this, you know, I'm, I'm I am envious admittedly that that is 
mm-hmm. how some people could put their stuff together, but that's just not how I work. And I think for a while I thought because I couldn't do that, that that's how you were supposed to write, that that's what it meant to be a good writer. Right. Um, then I, I started to look at other writers and I'm like, no, there's a bajillion ways to do this. Like in the classical world, it's the difference between a Mozart who has no like scratch outs or mistakes on any of his manuscripts. He just sort of like wrote, it just came to win me, wrote it down. That was it. Where mm-hmm. Haydn has scratches all over the place and like reworked things and whatever. I'm, you know, I'm a Haydn. So yeah. I got to got to rework it and put the puzzle together. And once I realized that that's what I do and that I could embrace that, it took some pressure off and then I could have more fun because I wasn't worried that it was the wrong way or a bad way or, Mm -hmm. you know, that I should be doing it differently. It's just part of what that process looks like for me. So it's definitely more fun now that I know that. Yeah. I love that you're pointing this out too, because the way, the way you go about it, you know, your approach being so structured and just, um, so comfortable for you in the way that you pull something creatively together. Um, it's, well, first of all, it would fit me perfectly. I would love it so much for this to be my process. Also, I have always loved that you, uh, you like to outline things. You like to spreadsheet things, database things, And I think that it's so typical for us to really only hear that side from artists who have a much um, looser, you know, free spirited way of, you know, being creative or pulling songwriting together. And I think those of us that um, come from a, a bit more of that, you know, I don't know what you want to call it, the more structured way of, of doing things. We kind of think from that side of our brains a little bit more. It, it does, it tends to make you think like, well, maybe I'm not that creative. You know, maybe I'm, if, if I have to go through this kind of a process, then, then it's not legitimately, um, you know, it's, it's not just beaming into my head. So it, it must not be <laughs> that great. Yeah. It's just not true. It's just not true. Everybody has their own way of, getting in the flow and, and sparking those ideas and then, and putting the pieces of them together. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That whole like right brain, left brain thing. Like I was a math geek in school in addition to, you know, I loved choir and did that stuff. And sometimes that messaging I think can be damaging. Like, oh, you're the math person. You're not capable of being creative. Cause I totally bought into that for a while. I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm just an analytical is my number two strength. So Mm -hmm. I, I love analyzing data and that, of various kinds, not just numbers, but yeah, that I, I, there wasn't a way to, to see that actually a, a turning point for me or a big affirmation moment. Have you heard of the podcast song exploder? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's an episode of that, um, with rivers Cuomo from Weezer and okay. he was talking about his process and he does morning pages, which if, if, you're not, if people aren't familiar, it's like three pages of stream of consciousness writing every morning. Mm-hmm. So he does it every morning and then he'll go back after, I don't know, a month, two months, something like that. And like highlight words or phrases that stuck out to him as cool that he's like, oh, that could go in a song. I like that. Mm-hmm. And he has a, an enormous spreadsheet where he puts all the uh, phrases and they are organized by number of syllables and the accent pattern, wow. strong weak <laughs> accent pattern. And that's how he organized. So whenever he's writing, he can just go to his spreadsheet and be like, okay, I need this many syllables and I need this accent pattern for the melody that I wrote. And he pulls it out of his spreadsheet. And I was like, okay, this, you know, here's for instance, you know, a a mainstream writer and Mm -hmm. that's his process. Um, He's done all right. 
I mean, <laughs> yeah, he's doing, he's doing okay. <laughs> yeah. But I, you know, I, I love that podcast partially for that reason, because you get mm-hmm. to hear how, just how many different kinds of processes there are. And no matter what your process is, someone is going to show up that's going to match what you do just so you can not feel like you're doing it wrong, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, or that there has to be some better. I mean, the, one of the biggest blocks we have is that idea when really it's just, you know, you do it, you just get it done. Whatever yeah. way it takes for you to get it done, you get it done. Your process is your process and everybody's different. It's okay mm-hmm. to ask other people for advice about how they do it, but it doesn't mean you have to do it that way. If something works for you, great. If it doesn't, it doesn't, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, and I, I, I also, I caught one of your reels too, where you're talking about having a constant feedback loop and kind of needing that, uh, needing that affirmation or, or it's not always an affirmation, but it's just finding those, um, resources, those people who kind of get you and can, uh, you know, if affirm you or kind of point you in different directions that, you know, you may not be seeing yourself, but, but I think that's also a really important piece to pull into your, um, writing process too. Yeah. Our VIP group is a large part of why that really was like, this is yeah. necessary. Cause like, you know, on the business side of what I do, it was very much just a me by myself forever doing this thing, Mm -hmm. you know, and it was fine until it wasn't. And I knew Mm -hmm. that it needed to grow into something. And I, I knew I needed just some guidance and some, um, camaraderie. And so joining VIP was a way I didn't realize that's what I was going to get, you know, was this, this invaluable feedback loop. But for me to like, try different things out, try different copy out, you know, try different and then bring it to the group. And the group could be like, okay, that aligns, but that's not like, it didn't matter. I could work so hard at being as clear as I felt like I could be. Mm -hmm. And then I needed to know, no, that was not clear enough. No, that's not aligning or yes, this is. And I, I artists need exactly the, the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, which is, I, I created an artist group that runs, all the time specifically for that purpose. So, you know, people can give each other feedback in addition to support and stuff like that. Cause I thought this artist need a space like this too, yeah. whether it, it doesn't have to be my group and it could be anything, social media. Uh, um, it could be a teacher or a coach. It could be uh, like a songwriter group that you go to every week or something like that. But yeah, that's so necessary to have yeah. somebody letting you know, if you're actually coming across the way you're intending. Yeah, you need you need to know how people are experiencing your music. And, and then once you gather that data, it's up to you what you're going to do with that and how it's going to influence what it is that you're writing. But, but yeah, you need to know how, how is it? How's it falling? And how are people experiencing that? So yeah, that's, that's great piece. Um, I want to talk stylistically about the album, but I want to go to a question that, um, Larry Grano has in the comments. Larry is, uh, an incredible drummer and singer, and he is asking, can you elaborate on why you enjoy singing in five? I don't know what it is (laughs) about five, but it feels like joy to me, there's something about that meter that is, it's like, I mean, it feels like it has the sway of a six, you know, which that like sway is something we tend to do when we're feeling really happy with in a song, but, mm-hmm. but it's just a little off. So it's just got this fun, I don't know what it is. It's like, 
that sway of a six, but with a little like hop of syncopation in it. And it is, it's just one of my favorite feels. And I don't know when that happened. Like I don't, you know, did we ever do anything in five? I think we did deck the halls in seven or something when I was in choir in high school, but you know, uh -huh. it wasn't a ton of odd metered stuff, but, um, I, uh, I was in a relationship with a drummer for a while who just was like odd meters everywhere. So I was very immersed in odd meters for the first time. And I, I, I don't know, it, it, I absorbed it, I guess. And like five started to feel natural. Mm -hmm. It didn't feel like I had to think about it or work at it. And just once it went into that place, that was sort of the, the feeling that it had for me. And I, I loved it. And I did. So I did um, Rainbows in Five. I did an Alarm Call by Bjork uh, rearrangement in Five. Um, I, is there any Five on the album? I don't think there's any Five on. Is that true? No, there's a. The. As a seven on the album, but there's no five. Yeah, I don't know. It's fun. <laughs> I just, like it gives my rhythm brain some excited, some excitement. I guess I don't need that all the time. I only use odd meters like if it really feels like the, it makes a groove feel good to me. Mm -hmm. um, I don't like to use them just for the sake of using them. It really has to legitimately feel great in terms of what I want, want the mm -hmm. tune to feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, clearly, you know what you like and you're very in tune. <laughs> you're very in tune with that, which makes for great work. So how, um, what could we expect from the album just stylistically? How would you describe it? And, um, you know, what are we going to hear? I think, you know, genre wise, I would say it lives in like indie soul meets chamber pop, mm. um, influences, that I think you can hear are people like um, Lara and Vula, um, uh, uh, Becca Stevens, Sufjan Stevens. Um, and so like a couple of the tunes, you hear a lot of the sort of density of layered density that Sufjan Stevens uses that I really fell in love with and enjoy a lot. Mm -hmm. um, Patterns as well from his stuff, which is a Steve Reich influence, and he's one of my influences as well. And then um, some of the indie soul stuff. Um, there's a tune called The In-Between that has that feel. Actually, I, I let my executive producer listen to it, and she felt like that one had a little bit of a Jade feel, which I do, is not one of my influences. But I was that's one of the cool things. You're like, that's crazy that that's what you hear, but that's cool. Uh -huh. um, um, and... One of, I mean, one of them is just like straight, mm, kind of gospel R&B feel-ish um, mm -hmm. in one of the tunes. And then one feels a little more like, hmm, like a Bonnie Raitt, like, mm. like a, I Can't Make You Love Me or The Bed I Made or some of those ballads um, that she does. But it's just me and a piano on that one. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I, I'd say, oh, and there's like one little, I wanted it to be sort of like, you know, those hidden tracks they used to have at the end of songs, yeah. at the end of albums, you know, mm -hmm. where, um, like Janet Jackson had one on the album, Janet, which I played the crap out of when I was right. younger, <laughs> uh, Feist had one at the end of, um, 
which album was that? The Reminder? Uh, to do, to do, to do some more. She's got that one. So I wanted it to feel sort of like that. So it's a, it's very different than the rest of the album. It feels sort of like, hmm, like a French sort of, but at the ocean. <laughs> French, French jazz-ish sort of thing at the beach, like ukulele kind of thing. Yeah. But at the end, it's just supposed to be like a little digestif. Mm -hmm. <laughs> at the end of the album, just, just for a little brightness. Yeah. Oh, so cool. I love it. I'm, I'm excited. When, um, when are you expecting to put it out and, and what's the game plan around putting it out? Yeah. So one of the, the, the main track, the main single is called April fool. So that will come out on April fool's day. Uh, that'll yes. be the first release. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I'll do two more singles, one a month. And then the plan is for the, the main album to come out in July, everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the singles leading up to the release, that's the plan. April should be the first one. Yep. And so everything is totally complete. You've got like album art and everything is ready to roll. Yeah. Album art was kind of, it was part of the, um, the Kickstarter process. I wanted people to have some say in that. Uh, mm -hmm. um, so that was actually done and designed uh, in July, end of July, no, beginning of August. Mm -hmm. when that was finished. So um, I, I'm in Columbus, Ohio, and there's a fantastic illustrator. Um, her name's Lucy Shearer, and I have wanted to work with her for a long time. So my, um, the art that I love that feels like it kind of matches what I do, I, um, I, I like having sort of a surreal feel to what I do, but also very like mm, sitting in a space of like wonder and mm -hmm. beauty <laughs> And that is exactly what her art feels like. So I knew that she would be a really great fit for, for what I wanted to do art-wise. Yeah. Um, so she made some really cool um, prototypes and people voted and picked the one they liked. So yeah, that's done, done, ready to go. That's yep. exciting. How do you, <laughs> I don't know how you have the patience to, to sit on it knowing that <laughs> it's ready to go. <laughs> I, uh, it is going to be hard. <laughs> I will say that um, I don't want to release things like that, but I know from a business perspective, it's, it's a good idea to like build excitement single by single for about three singles and then let the album come out. So I'm being a good girl and doing what the business people tell me to do, <laughs> yeah. put it out that way, even though I want to be like, here it is, everybody, you know, it's I mean, that's the hard part of the business stuff. Yeah. It's like you, you, uh, People are giving you that advice because they want more people to listen to more of your stuff. And that's ultimately right. what I want. So. Right. So yeah. Because most artists learn the unfortunate way after putting out their first album that, you know, they pull it together a certain way and don't quite have the marketing strategy lined up once it's ready to roll. And then you just want to just, you just want to put it out there into the universe, hoping that it's just going to hit and it's, and it's going to go viral and everything is just going to fall into place. And, and it just, um, just doesn't happen like that. Not not how it works. So yeah. You, gotta, you, you really do have to follow those guidelines as, uh, as you know, difficult as that might be. Um, yeah. that, uh, that makes me also want to ask about the crowdfunding, um, plan. So you said that you, you started out, uh, with a crowdfunding plan, it wasn't going so great. And then you decided to hire, um, an expert in that area. So, um, uh, you know, feel free to, you know, 
not give this information, but um, what kind of goals did you have for the crowdfunding and what was happening that was not working? So I, I don't know. So, you know, Clifton Strength Learner, I had, I don't know, five different books right? <laughs> that I was reading about how to do crowdfunding well. Yeah. And um, I, I, you know, was going through various steps and stages of the, the like preparation planning process. And there would always be these certain things I would get to where I was, I would just get overwhelmed. You know, mm -hmm. social media, for instance, was was a thing that would overwhelm me. It is still not my favorite thing to do. I am getting better. I'm learning, um, getting more comfortable with it. Uh, but just like a social media plan, I was like, oh my gosh. And just, I would shut down and it was really hard to work through. So um, I, I had certain aspects planned, but then I was like, if I can't do if I can't do the whole plan right, the way this person has put it in this book, I shouldn't do it. Ah, uh, okay. And so I, that's why I was like, I need a human being yeah. who can be realistic about what I can actually throw away and what is actually necessary, where I can be imperfect and still be okay with it. So that, I mean, that was one of the most helpful things about working with laser is that they could, they could say, uh, <laughs> like, as I did the process, they'd be like, you are doing so great. I like star student, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay. And then there would be this week where I wouldn't get things done exactly like they were on the plan or the whatever. And would feel so guilty and ashamed and, and have this fear that the whole thing was falling apart and that it wasn't going to be ready in time for the deadline or whatever. And, and what I needed was laser to say, hey, you did this, this, this. We can adjust here. You can do that. Uh, don't worry about that. That's no big deal. We've got more time for this. Someone who could just be realistic with me about how to be flexible with the plan because they had already gone through this process so many times they knew where flexibility could and could not happen. Mm -hmm. And that's really what I needed uh, was someone who knew that well enough. Um, Cause I'm one of those people like you put a guide out for me. I'm good. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to feel like I have to do it the way it is or I'm <laughs> failing somehow. So that yeah. that's really what I needed was someone to really, to, to let me be less structured. Yeah. Um, so smart. Such a smart move on your part for sure. And so ultimately, did you meet the goal? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. was the album fully crowdfunded? Yes. Yeah. That's so great. It oh. is so great. <laughs> love it. I love it so much. Me too. Yeah. So if you uh if you were to give um the listeners, you know, maybe like one golden nugget that you took away from everything that you learned during your crowdfunding process, you know, what was, what would be one thing that might not be obvious? Maybe. I, in case this is true for anyone else, I had so much anxiety around the idea that I was going to, like let people down, I guess, mm -hmm. by not doing this perfectly. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, or by not um mm, 
by not being able to like keep up with social media, by not being able to keep up with, with what I needed. So there was this like fear of not having enough in me to give to everyone mm -hmm. in order to build the relationships. And I there felt a lot of pressure around like mm -hmm. what I was being asked to give, like afraid I wouldn't, that it was just too much and I couldn't do it. And also like do everything else I needed to do. What I was not ready for was the was that every time I gave what was given back in return from the people who were following and supporting me. Mm -hmm. So this fear that it was all about just like giving and giving and giving of myself in terms of like content or presence or whatever, that there is, there's a giving back that feeds that you know, that, that like nurtures that and, and puts back into the well that I was not prepared for. Wow. And like, I was not prepared for the, the sense of like relationship and care and help mm -hmm. that people genuinely wanted to give once I made the step to, to ask for help and to also put myself out there. Mm -hmm. And it's just like basic relationship stuff. But because that was something I hadn't experienced in that way, uh, just in life quite like that, I had a lot of fear around it. And mm -hmm. it was such a rewarding and beautiful process and taught me so much about what it's like to be an artist and to have a relationship with the people who want to support you. Mm -hmm. um, that it really is this mutual giving of connection mm -hmm. and um it was really cool. And I'm, I'm so glad I did the Kickstarter as a part of the album process because it built and strengthened relationships with people who want to support me in a way that would not have happened if I had just tried to do the album all by myself. Right. It would have been none of that relationship building process. Mm -hmm. So um, it was just really powerful and awesome to wow. experience that as a part of, of creating my music, knowing very specific people who are out there supporting and wanting to help that, that music happen. Yeah. That just, that must've been just incredibly affirming just all around throughout the entire process. I mean, what, what a feeling it is to, you know, it's one thing when people tell you, Oh, you know, you're so good. And I just, I love what you do and everything, but when they actually start paying you money for it and, and, you know, and offering, um, I guess it's not always money, but resources, you know, things like that. Uh, there is just something about that that takes your confidence to a totally different level. And, and it's incredible that you're, you know, kind of speaking to this um, and pointing out that that reciprocal relationship and that, you know, journey that you went on and how supportive that was in the, you know, overall process for you. So it's, you know, so important. I think so many people are so fearful of doing um, crowdfunding because, you know, it's hard to ask. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to ask. Um, it is. Did you feel that way before you started the crowdfunding? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's like, what right do I have to ask these people for anything? <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and, and part of what you do is build, you build relationship. I mean, you do give people of yourself mm -hmm. the, uh, you know, like maybe a, a little song series or something like, like you are giving people stuff before the Kickstarter even starts mm -hmm. just to show them that you are, you are willing to give of yourself as an artist 
um, to make it worth their while to, to be helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it, it still humbles me to have the experience of people finding my music helpful or nurturing in some way in their lives. I mean, it's not, you know what I mean? It's, it's a, yeah. It's amazing that that is what music is. If it, it feels so like ethereal and whatever, it's like this, mm-hmm. I can sing. And this is something that you, <laughs> that you find valuable in your life. It's, yeah. it's humbling. And it's really, it's really cool that that gets to be part of what I do. Yeah. It's a game changer. I think, I think as singers, um, I guess I can't speak for everybody, but you know, growing up, we, we, we feel like the singing is really for us you know, we, we hope that people like it, but really, you know, we're, we're in it largely for ourselves. And, and, um, but that, that, that game changer in the whole thing is when you start making those discoveries of how valuable what you do, um, is to other people and how it affects them. And, and, and most of it, you'll never even hear about, you know, but what a gift for you to be able to go through that process and kind of hear it um, firsthand and get that experience. That is really, really cool. Yeah. It sounds like the whole, you know, album process has been, you know, an amazing life experience for you. And I'm really, really happy for you. Thank you. Yeah, Yeah. it was, it was great. And, and the VIP group was a a huge source of support through that process. Um, I don't think I, I would have, been able to complete it as successfully and happily as I did without that support system. So yeah, thank you I for know. being part of that. Oh, absolutely. I love our group so much. We're so lucky, We're so lucky <laughs> to be a part of that group. <laughs> I just, I'm telling you every week I sit there and I'm looking at everyone's faces on zoom and I'm like, how am I in this group? How did they let me in? Same. <laughs> what is happening here? <laughs> I'm going to stay quiet. So nobody notices that I'm here. <laughs> Meanwhile, you were like such a badass in the group. We're always like, holy cow, Danielle does amazing things. She's super quiet about it until it's like, wapa, amazing well, Now thing. you know why Number I'm quiet. 27 that Danielle has done this year. <laughs> Thank you. Oh my gosh. Oh, I, I don't want to neglect the comments. We have um, Rubens Mandingo, um, saying hello and Liz Jackson Hearns, Liz Arino saying Liz. love y'all. Love you too. Miss you <laughs> so much. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. The album incredible. I'm super, super excited for you. So let's kind of shift gears and talk about your, um, your vocal studio and, um, you know, what, what's it all about? What is your process there? And what, what have you pulled together for this year? Yeah. Um, so I do, I do a lot of one-on-one work with people. Um, I've got some folks who come in regularly, some folks who drop in at at different times, but a lot of what happens in that space at some point comes around to what that person needs to be doing in terms of feeling more clear about who they are and why they're doing their art and what they want their art to accomplish and how to move closer to, to, to accomplishing that. And, uh, so sometimes that is, sometimes that's working on the music itself. And sometimes that's talking about like something completely different in their lives that is getting in the way Mm -hmm. (laughs) that needs to be, you know, processed, um, and worked through. 
Sometimes it's talking about songwriting. You know, it varies a lot, but the theme is always what's getting in the way of you being the artist that you want to be and how can I help you with that? Um, and the, the obstacles look very different for different people. Um, but I find that, um, yeah, one of the biggest shifts that happened for me as a teacher and a coach over time was moving from a headspace that I don't want to overgeneralize, but, but often in uh, some classical music spaces can be about the teacher, like fixing you. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and even people who aren't in those spaces often come to a vocal coach or a voice teacher expecting to be fixed in some way, mm-hmm. something wrong with them. And they want, yeah. you know, they're there to get fixed. And so much of what I do now is, is helping people see and connect to what's already working, what they're already good at, what mm-hmm. makes them who they are, like how they, in what ways are they capable of like going out right now and doing the thing and embracing it rather than feeling like they have to do all this, like, yeah, uh, changing their voice or accessing something that they can't access yet when they've already got so much stuff that's fantastic Mm -hmm. that they're not tapping into or not embracing because for some reason someone told them they need this one high note that's hard for them. So they hyper-focus on that rather than the stuff that they already do with their voices. So it's mm-hmm. been really cool to shift that way, not just in terms of the voices, but just as people. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the people I work with don't, they're really not clear about who they are and how they come across and like what their qualities are. Um, I mean, we live with ourselves, right? We don't, <laughs> we can't right. see sometimes <laughs> what it is about us that is unique or, um, you know, that we can, that we can put out there as a differentiating factor. Um, so a lot of what people need me to do is just like reflect to them how yeah. I'm experiencing them so that yeah. they can go, Oh, I do that. That's what I do. I have that. I'm like that. Yeah. Admitting I'm just one person, which is why mm-hmm. I like running groups as well so that they hear mm-hmm. that from more than just me, um, get that reflection to, to really see and embrace themselves as they are so that when they go out and do their artist thing, you know, they're, they can, they can understand they're already unique. Yeah. You know, they already have what's making them unique. They can highlight mm-hmm. different things about themselves, but they don't have to be someone different. Mm-hmm. They don't have to put on a mask. They can just highlight something about themselves if they want to, you know? Yeah. And yeah. it's, it's a, such a fun process to watch people like the light bulbs that go off and just the way people like settle into themselves mm-hmm. and enjoy who they are more and more through the Mm -hmm. process, which affects their singing in this really positive way. Mm -hmm. Like the more they settle into stuff, the more their voice kind of settles in as well. And they're not like Mm -hmm. working so hard to make it be something. (laughs) They just get to enjoy it. Yeah. It's, um, it's one of my favorite things to do. And that's, it's a lot of one-on-one, but I do that in group settings as well. I've got an Mm -hmm. ongoing group that I run. We meet once a month. Um, and it's meant to be primarily a support group. We, we, mm-hmm. we meet online, you know, people can chat online as well between sessions, but we meet on zoom once a month to kind of talk through things. People can talk about what they've been doing, what their blocks are, get some feedback from other people. If they want, they, you know, use the group for, for what they need support wise. Um, 
And then I run kind of an intensive course that runs three weeks where we do like deep dive into identity stuff and why you are making your art, what you want to accomplish with it. Um, and then you get in that, that intense space with some other people, uh, some feedback. You do a project um, that represents the things that you've discovered about yourself and what you want to do. And then you get feedback and support from other people. And I did not, I could not have imagined how transformative that was going to be for the people in the group, but it has been one of the cool, I did three, four, three, four of those last mm -hmm. year. Um, and my, my good friend and colleague, Julie Dean does those with me. Um, we run them together and man, the stuff that people experienced in that, in those groups was really, yeah, really affirming, um, yeah. uh, in terms of, so one of my strengths is individualization. Is that in mm -hmm. your top 10 too? No, <laughs> no, no. Um, and uh, for people who don't know, that means that, you know, one of the things you're good at is like seeing what makes people different and being mm -hmm. able to point that out for them. And, um, that's, a, that's something for Julie too. And that group was like letting that strength just go into hyper mode. And it was so fun, um, to yeah. get to use that. So the, the group was just as fun for me too. I was like, Woo, this is one of those, like, great experiences for both the client and me where I feel like everything's lining up in this way that that is just fun you know makes you feel like you're driving a Ferrari or something <laughs> right when you run right. something that works that way with yeah, that being one of your strengths too it's it's such a unique offering for you you know it's not something that everybody not every vo vocal coach can offer something like that and I love that you have you know that you've discovered that this is what you know, what you really have to offer in this space, um, because it is so vitally needed. I, I, I can honestly say that looking back, you know, when I began my vocal work, you know, as a kid, um, I wish I'd had somebody like you in my life because to me, it was such a technical thing, you know, that you had to go to training to learn all the technical aspects of it. Um, but then I secretly lived in my head for years thinking, I don't, you know, I know what I like when I, I know what I like to listen to. I know there are certain, um, there's things that I like visually about certain artists. Um, certain artists make me feel a certain way, but I have no idea who I am <laughs> and I have yeah. no idea what is unique about, uh, what I do. Um, and, and to live in your head secretly. And I know I'm not alone talking to you, you know, I, I know I'm not alone. And there are so many artists out there like that, that are just kind of have a huge roadblock in front of them because they may technically be, you know, really good musicians. Um, but being in that place of not really solidly knowing in your guts, you know, who you really are as an artist and what you are bringing to the world, um, can hold up years of, uh, potential albums that could have been put out. Um, who knows, you know, who knows how, yeah. how things could have been different. So yeah, I just, I hope that, um, singers, artists that are, that are listening now are, are really taking that to heart that there are people out there, um, that specialize in this, this kind of work. And, you know, Jess is, uh, an amazing example of this. And I highly recommend 
I mean, you definitely, <laughs> you're, you're incredible. Um, you. but you know, it's, it's just, I think so many people don't really understand why, why to go to a coach, right? In this day and age, you know, we can look everything up. We can Google everything. We can look everything up on YouTube, um, for free. And, uh, and, and, you know, and I think a lot of people, um, think that that's, you know, a valid way to go. And while there, there is great material out there, don't yeah. get me wrong. Um, yeah, you can do it all on your own, but what, a painful, long drawn out process. You can figure it all out. I listened to this podcast today. That was just perfectly timed for our conversation here. Um, it was Rob Dial and he was talking about, um, you know, why, why you go with an expert to help you with certain things. It's like, it's like going to the grocery store for peanut butter and going up and down every single aisle, looking for peanut butter, looking for peanut butter and looking from side to side and just, you know, uh, how long of a process that can take with, with, with how many, you know, components are in a grocery store, right? When yeah. you can literally walk through the door find someone working at the grocery store and just say, Hey, where's the peanut butter and, you know, get in and out of there in like five minutes. Right. Yeah. Very similar, you know, to working with a coach where, you know, it's, uh, you know, why go through the, the heartache, you know, when you, when you really can bring someone into your life who can just get you there a lot faster and make it and, a lot more meaningful. Yeah. You know? It's so true. And, you know, a lot of my work, it's, so I came to it partially because I had been in this world where technical stuff was so emphasized. Mm -hmm. And once I decided I was going to move out of classical world and work with people who sang um, different kinds of popular music styles, I realized I'm like, there's no one technique that's the right technique. Like that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Everybody's technique needs are different depending on the music that they're singing, the situation, like what they want their voice to sound like, which means that the very first conversations we have to be having are, what do you want your voice to sound like? Who do you want to be as an artist? Because I can't actually get you to your technical goals until you know what that is. It's right. like going to the grocery store and coming up to the person and saying, I need something, I need something to eat, you know, <laughs> yeah. and then the, the grocery store comes and like, well, what do you like? What do you want? You know? And you're like, I, I don't know. Yeah. Right. So the grocery store clerk can be like, well, you know, we've got sand, like they can offer you some stuff, mm -hmm. but eventually you start to figure out like, I don't like that. Or that's not actually me, you know? And that's yes. kind of part of what I'm trying to do is to help people figure that, you know, do you like peanut butter or do you want sushi? Like, <laughs> what right. do you want? Okay, now I can direct you to the sushi. I can direct you to the peanut butter. Um, and, and then we can make together what it is you're wanting to make. But those questions at some point have to, like no vocal coach can answer those for you. Right. There's no one who can tell you what that is. Mm -hmm. I can't, I mean, even with the work I do, I'm not telling anybody anything. Mm -hmm. I'm helping them discover for themselves who they are and who they want to be and what they want their voice to sound like. I'm just kind of walking alongside, helping them figure stuff out, but I'm still never going to be like, you're a this, the end. Mm -hmm. That's not how it works. You know, yeah. everyone has to decide for themselves where they want to go, what they want to do and uh, empowering people to do that rather than feeling like they have to depend on someone else to tell them all the time. Yeah. Um, something I want more artists to feel confident in, you know, to, to have that ability for themselves to own that. Beautiful. That's beautiful. I love it. Um, 
uh, over in the comments, uh, we have, oh, Chuck Phillips is here. Hey, Chuck. Chuck is an incredible sax player. Um, he works Hi. with the Mighty Untouchables all the time. He's nice. a great interview. Thanks, ladies. And uh, Liz Jackson Hearn says, Jess, your work is so amazing. And she also says, Danielle, I love what you said about technique and sort of adopting your technique as an identity before getting the chance to work with an expert. Yeah. 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 Sure. I work with a decent like chunk of people who are having to like undo technique. Yeah. People with doctorates went all the way through a doctorate before they realized that wasn't actually what they wanted. And now they're right. having to like, you know, <laughs> Oops, <laughs> a, over. tear it down and start with a new structure <laughs> you know, because no one was really clear with them yeah. ahead of time. Is this what you want? You know, that someone just told them this is what they should want. And so that's what they did for years. We need to not do that anymore. Good point. Good point. Yeah. So um, I would love to just talk with you for hours about this stuff. I'm sure there's like so many, so many other things that we could talk about, but we're, our, our time is, is up. So I, most importantly, I want to know how, um, how singers and artists can get in touch, you know, with your studio and how you are open to working with people right now. Yeah. Um, truecolorsvoiceandartist.com is my website. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at truecolorsvoiceandartist. And um, I'm taking a few regular clients right now. Just had a couple openings. So if that's interesting to you, um, you can either message me or there are some uh, initial fit lesson spots that are available um, that you can find on the website. And um, the group, the kind of three-week course intensive, um, we're going to run the next one in April. Um, so that's coming up if that's something that you're interested in. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you can find information in those places. And if you just need to chat and ask some questions, we can certainly just talk about some things before you make any decisions or move forward with stuff. And that lets me get a chance to, to get to know you as well. Great. Great. Well, if listening, um, if, if this conversation has struck a chord for you, I really do hope that you will, um, reach out to Jess. I, I can't, you know, say enough good things about her. She is a highly respected professional in our community. So you'd be in, in very, very good hands. Um, and thank you so thank much. You. <laughs> what a well, gift to be you. able to be here and share. I appreciate it so much. Yeah. Well, you're just incredible. It was an honor to have you on here. I'm so excited for everything that you have coming up and, um, just look forward. I always look forward to everything that you've got going on and just, um, your immaculate, uh, organization of spreadsheets. I just, it makes my heart <laughs> It makes my heart sing. I love it so much. <laughs> thank you. And thank you for everything you're doing for the singer community. Through the Thanks so much for joining us. If you love this conversation as much as I did and would like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. To stay up to date with The Unstoppable Singer and get all the behind the scenes content, you can follow me on Instagram at Unstoppable Singer. And while you're there, please share this episode on your Instagram stories and tag me at Unstoppable Singer. Once again, I'm Danielle Tucker, a professional singer and vocal coach. I've spent the last 25 years crafting a successful career for myself in the music industry and showing other aspiring singers how to do the same. The world needs your voice now more than ever. So get out there and create an unstoppable career.